So what I do is I live in Austin, Texas during the wintertime, and I live in New York in the uh, summertime. And I Airbnb, I own a place in Texas, or I own a few places, but my main residence I own and I furnished it as if like it's not my permanent home. Like I furnished it like a little bit transactionary and I rent that out and that profit helps pay for a place that I go and rent out in New York. Sometimes the best opportunities arise from the most challenging times. And during the pandemic, we were all overwhelmed by how quickly our life was turned upside down. But when that happens, your perspective shifts, and sometimes you can see things differently. That's when you have an amazing chance to be first in line. And this is exactly what happened with the category of real estate, an entire industry that was perfectly primed for reinvention. Suddenly, where we worked and how we lived were instantly changed. The office became your home, other people's homes became your vacation destination, and the ability to buy, rent, sell, and invest in property became easier than ever. When this new way of life became a reality for me, my husband and I bought some land in Montana, built a few cabins, and created a side hustle that has been incredibly fulfilling both as a business and a vacation destination. You might think that investing in real estate is only for the rich, but as our two guests today will show you, that's no longer the case. It is now more accessible than ever. I'm thrilled to be joined by Sam Parr and Ben Miller. Sam is the founder of The Hustle, and ever since selling his company, he's been focused on building a short-term rental real estate empire. Ben is the founder of Fundrise, America's largest real estate investment platform. It's made high-tech, low-cost real estate investing available to everyone. In this episode, you'll learn why the future of real estate is so exciting and why it's one of the best and safest investments you can make right now. Even better, you'll learn about opportunities whether you want to buy or rent, and you'll get a step-by-step -step playbook that will show you how to make the most of the opportunity today so you can see more benefits tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Element. I'm obsessed with all things health and wellness. I love learning about the latest trends, trying different hacks, and figuring out what works best for my body. And if there's one thing I know for certain, it's that hydration is essential to better health. Unfortunately, most of us don't realize that there's a more effective way to hydrate. Element is a tasty, science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means just the right amount of salt without all the sugar, food coloring, artificial ingredients, and other unnecessary fillers. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. That's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash Brit. Try it risk-free and experience the endless benefits of better hydration. I'm so excited to have a couple of really interesting guests today who are coming at the real estate topic from sort of different directions. And, and the reason for having them here today, again, is because the home has changed. A lot of us are, of course, living in our homes in different ways than ever before, thanks to COVID. But also, we are realizing that our home is not just a house, it's an investment that can be monetized like never before because of all kinds of new technologies. So I would like to welcome my new friends, Sam Parr and Ben Miller. Hi, Sam. Hi, Ben. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having us. <laughs> of course. Thanks for coming on. I would love to I would love to give everyone a little bit about your background and um, you know, I can tell them who you are, but maybe Ben, you can start and tell us a little bit about how you got excited about real estate. You are the CEO and co-founder of Fundrise, which is actually America's largest real estate investment platform. You have over 150,000 active investors and more than $1.5 billion worth of equity under management. So your goal with Fundrise, from what I read and hear about, is to make real estate investing available to everyone. How did you get to this place? How long have you been operating Fundrise? Wow. So so I'm 23 years into real estate now. So I've been doing real estate for a while. And actually, I feel like what's amazing, our numbers must have uh, 
uh, changed over the since last you got them because I think we're 350,000 active investors and 3.25 billion of equity. So we've been growing as uh, essentially this idea has sort of become more widespread. So um, my father was in real estate. That's how I got into real estate first. He was I watched him go through uh, real estate's ups and downs. In 1987, there was a Black Monday and real estate collapsed and everything collapsed. So I've seen a lot of ups and downs in real estate uh, personally and, and through the family. That's how I got involved. And then um, start, we started Fundrise in 2012 because I went through the 2008 financial crisis and it made me uh, want to try something different than what the institutions were doing, how like people kind of got burned in that downturn. And so, so when you say you can invest in real estate on the platform, what does that actually mean for the average person who's never done that before? Well, so if you go into New York, right, or San Francisco, you see lots of big buildings all around you. Before Fundrise, those were not something you could invest in. Like you could only invest in stocks and bonds. And it didn't make sense that basically real estate wasn't as accessible. Like the way you can buy stocks and bonds through an app, you couldn't buy real estate that way before Fundrise. And real estate is a pretty good investment. It's, I would say it's, in my opinion, top three so why shouldn't you be able to do it the same way that big institutions can? So we built a technology platform that democratized access so you can go online and invest you know, a million dollars or $10 you know, through our website and through our apps as easily as buying a book on Amazon. And that's for commercial real estate or residential real estate? Yeah, any kind of real estate that we feel is a good investment. Cool. I love that. Thank you, Ben. And and now I'm going to kick it over to Sam, who some people might ask, you know, what was Sam part of real estate? But you were the creator of the hustle. You are the creator of the hustle. <laughs> um, you sold it um, by the time you turned 32, if, if I have my facts correct here. And um, also the ho- co-host of My First Million, one of the top business podcasts. Um, but right now you're focused on building an Airbnb real estate empire, including what I just heard about, a 20-acre ranch in Austin, Texas, my hometown. So so tell me about your background with real estate and how you got so excited about what's happening right now with the category. Yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, so I started, I made my initial money on the internet. So when I started my, I've started a couple of internet companies. When I started them, I started them all with close to no money other than like a $20 monthly bill for like a web hosting service. And so I love that. I love that I could start internet companies with nothing and you could create uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and in a handful of cases, billions and billions of dollars of value uh, in a matter of like five or 10 years. I think that's awesome. And I think everyone should do that. But there's a downside. And Britt, I, I know who you are. I've I've studied a, your company when I was starting my company because I think you had started a, a, a couple years before me. So I know all about you. And you. so I, I think you might know a little bit about this. But like when you're starting an internet company, in some cases, like at least in my case, if Google changed something, that business could go away overnight. And there's like levels to that. Like, you know, like you could, like, there's some companies that suffer from that more than others, but a lot of internet companies still suffer from that. And that always made me nervous. And so I said, when I sell this company, I want to invest in things that potentially could exist for 50 or 100 years. And I think that, like, uh, I, I, you know, my internet company, it could definitely have lasted that long and I could have passed it on to my children. But, like, what if my kids also weren't interested in media? <laughs> what if they weren't interested in this type of thing? It's a lot more complicated than real estate. And so what got me interested in in it was owning things that could last for 50 or 100 years. I'm currently in Airbnb that I'm renting right now that was built in 1906. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing that you can purchase something that can last for so long. I also love the internet, but it felt good to do things that I could touch and feel. And and that's why I was interested. So I I own some properties and I've actually invested in Fundrise. I own uh, some... I'm an LP and some funds. So yeah, I, I love real estate just for the fact that it like w- potentially can last 100 plus years. It's a little bit less volatile than a, a tech startup is what you're saying. <laughs> Although yeah, ironically, like, ironically, Ben, it, yours is a tech startup as well. <laughs> so. But like it, it may not. So there's pros and cons. So like, look, you and I can build something on the internet and there's like an outside chance 
that within a handful of years, it can make tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue or value. That is very possible. That's not going to happen with real estate, but also like it potentially has a less likelihood of going to zero. You know what I mean? Maybe I lose 20% mm -hmm. of my money, but like the likelihood that I'm going to lose 100% isn't exactly that high. Right. Well, I mean, I, I started my first venture capital fund almost three years ago. And so we know from the start, it's an early stage fund, which means like we're the first check in to invest in any new company. And we know probably 90% or more will fail. Um, and we're hoping that that 10% will go to the moon, you know, and return the fund, but hopefully like multiple times over. But um, real estate is a, is a, a little bit more streamlined. Ben, can you tell me any stats? Like, are there stats about like how um, safe it is or not safe it is to be investing in real estate? You said it's like one of the top three best assets you can invest in. But what does that mean? Like, if you if you buy a home or invest in a property and hold, like, what are my you know rates going to look like over over time for my returns? Yeah, so it's funny. Real estate intrinsically is, I think, pretty safe, and the way you have risk in real estate is with, with debt, right? So if you if you, the way you lose a property is by borrowing against it, and then getting foreclosed on. But I mean, if you own real estate, there's families in London who own real estate for like hundreds of years, right? And so, uh, that's I think the most intuitive way to think about it. I mean, returns. You know, I, I hate to talk about returns because I mean, you know, we're highly regulated, but it's uh, you know, the returns have generally been pretty solid, and um, it, it's just it's exactly like what Sam was saying. There's like this uh, saying in tech versus real estate that with tech, you make a hundred investments, you lose all your money on ninety nine, and you make all your money on one. And with real estate, you make ninety nine investments, make all your money, you make money on all ninety nine, and then you lose your money. On the last one, right? Because of leverage, recourse lend. Because you usually when you borrow money, you take personal recourse. So, um, so I I think of real estate as is like a much more like I mean, a real asset. And it's so funny that people can buy these sort of like this paper in the stock market that's basically like a virtual asset and not actually put much of their money into the real world. Like everything we do is a primary. All our everybody have any invests in Fundrise. We're in the real world building and owning real buildings. And if you buy on the stock market, you're just buying from someone else who's trading it. So it's such a different thing to do to build real things in the real world. Well, and and I think more and more people are starting to figure out that real estate, whether it be a home or a commercial property or even land, um, cannot just be valued for the property itself, but it could actually produce revenue as well. And I think this is the big shift that's happened over the last several years, right? And Sam, you were talking about how you've turned some of your properties into Airbnbs. I've done the same. Um, proud to be a super host. Thank you very much on Airbnb. How many do you I, own? <laughs> well, we bought a 20-acre property in Montana early pandemic when the rates were like actually really good. Um, and in Montana, there's actually not a lot of zoning laws. So we just started building cabins and building A-frames and all kinds of cool things on this property. It had one house on it already. And now we have five different Airbnbs. No way. Um, That's awesome. On that property. And people can buy them or, sorry, rent them all together or separate. We had our first ever 100% booked month last month no and shit yeah and so i'm like <laughs> who's who who's managing it we have a property manager locally in montana and we set up you know now we have like for winter we have like snowshoeing and cross-country skiing and we're like have it's all these fun, activities right? it's so fun and to your point what, like, what's your night what's your nightly rate well, it depends. The cabins are around 200, 250. I have the Airbnb algorithm set it to automate. So if anyone out there doesn't know this, Airbnb actually can figure out what the demand is of a particular area or a rental and then automate the pricing. But then we have the lodge, which is like a four bedroom home and that's like 700 or so a night. Um, which um, for Montana, those are really high. Those are kind of high prices uh, for nightly stays, but it's we're trying to 
build like a more luxury property with excursions and with, you know, all these different things up there. And we actually want to get to like 20 keys. Like we want to build multiple cabins. It's amazing, right? Yeah, it's so, so we have, fun. We have a brand. It's, awesome. it's called Orofino. We have a logo. Like it's starting a business, but it's like, to your point, it's tactile. And like after working for 20 years in technology, like I love that people get to experience it and you can change it so quickly. It's not like software where you have to like – you know, code something new and and see if people like it. But is it but is it paying your bills or, or is it profiting? Profiting, yeah. Um, which is amazing. I mean, barely. It's not like super profitable, but it's just cool. I mean, we've done it for like really in earnest, like a year since we've did the construction and things like that. But every new cabin we bring on, you know, uh, the time to get profitables is probably a few months. I mean. Again, we're at 100% capacity right now. and That's awesome. And, and, and so I'm like, I, I've seen this trend of a lot of people like Airbnb in their place or VRBO, whatever, pick your platform, right? Um, and this is enough to make them like pretty significant revenue during the year where this is the thing that they do if they want to. Is that how you're seeing it as well? Yeah, 100%. I own a Facebook group and it's all for ST, we call it's STRs the is the term, short-term rentals. So instead of saying Airbnb, you say STR because it's just it's a little bit more Platform overarching agnostic. term. Yeah. Yeah. And so we call STR. So it's called Sam's STR crew and it has 3 or 4 or 5,000, I don't even remember at this point, people who own a bunch of them. And we've got crazy stories from like, for example, I just talked to a guy who owns 3 of them in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm currently Airbnb right now, and he, and he was just a normal 80 or 90,000 a year job that he had and he bought 3 or 4 or 5 of these and just he slowly started adding up to now he's like, I make more money doing this, so I'm going to quit my job soon. Um all the way to like I've there's one guy in the group who has a 50 million dollar portfolio that's doing 5 million dollars a year in uh income. So it, like it ranges. It's a huge range. But a lot of people like start relatively small and and it's kind of interesting because like you can get into it with just like a normal W two job and in some markets you can buy a place for two hundred thousand dollars and put down thirty or forty grand, which is like attainable for, you know, a large amount of people. And it's just like if you do a good job and like nail some of the details, it's not necessarily stuff that's rocket science, rocket science, but you just need to do like a pretty good job of making sure that the towels are nice, that you write a good thank you letter, you leave a bottle, like just these like relatively basic things that you can learn in three or five months. And you can have a really interesting business that's doing like 20 or 30% cash on cash returns. And you can own an asset that every once in a while, hey, I want to go use it. And that mm-hmm. that that and, and that's actually really cool. And um, I think that the short term rental space is going to be interesting to see what happens with the economy going down. Um, I think a lot of places are going to do pretty decent, though. Still, I mean, because instead of like traveling to Europe, some people are just going to travel to rural Texas, where I own property, or they're going to travel to Montana instead of going to France, or mm-hmm. the, you know, like people will still take vacations. They're just going to want to drive three hours or six hours instead of flying. Right. And well, I think that was what we saw during COVID, right? Because <laughs> they didn't want to get on planes. But I think that I, that might have shifted the way that we travel um, in, in general. I know that, you know, we got we got like a sprinter van and a road trip to us is way more fun than flying, even just like across the West here. And I also States. think that like people's like, I don't know what you guys, I want to hear your experience if you're doing this. I, do you guys both have children? Yes. Oh, yes. So I don't have kids yet. We're going to have kids this year, but I don't have kids yet. And so what I do is I live in Austin, Texas during the wintertime, and I live in New York in the uh, summertime. And I Airbnb, I own a place in Texas, or I own a few places, but my main residence I own and I furnished it as if like it's not my permanent home. Like I furnished it like a little bit transactionary. So I, I don't have a problem with someone sleeping in that bed there. It's like it's, it's all good. It's I didn't furnish it with my forever stuff. So I and I rent that out and that profit helps pay for a place that I go and rent out in New York. Do you guys do the same thing or are you mostly in one city? Well, I'm so glad you brought this up because actually this is this is where I'm actually wondering if this is where the world's going. Um especially with remote work these days. And and the problem is we do have kids, right, Ben? <laughs> I'm going to bring you into this too. But like uh, our family loves to go to Montana. Um Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and if we can, we do. We try to do like spring break in Hawaii or something like that every year. We live in the Bay Area, just outside San Francisco, 
If I could like snap my fingers and just dream my biggest dream, I would live here for like three or four months a year and then in each one of those places for two to three months, you know, a year as well during the seasons that are good there. And I think with global warming, like we're seeing that people don't want to spend bitter winters in Montana. Um, maybe they maybe they do if they want to go skiing. They don't want to spend 115 degree summers in Austin, Texas. Um, and so – are we ultimately going to need to have a second place to go because the climate is just getting kind of crazy? We're having natural disasters of different sorts in these kind of peak seasons. But then what do you do with your kids? Because we're enrolled in all these – in schools and we can't just yank them out. Or can – like maybe there's an education system reform. And I, I look at what Adam Newman, who a lot of people know as you know, the former founder of WeWork, just got funded for his new real estate company, which is building – you know, short-term, correct me if I'm wrong, short-term apartment rentals uh, across the country where you can, I think, likely hop to different places, um, maybe with the same type of membership model. So you can change your location. And so are we going to live in this world in the future where we're kind of bouncing around more? We'll figure out the school thing for our kids. Um, and if so, does that mean that we're owning those properties? Are we renting those properties? Is there's like a membership model or something? Like, Ben, do you have thoughts on where this is all going? Yeah, I, I love. I tried to do that. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, well, schools are going to be closed anyways. I have three kids, three boys, all under 10. And so my wife and I sold our house in D.C. and we just rented Airbnbs all throughout the South. And we moved every month. And it was awesome for about four four months. And then like my kids just went crazy. Like I How think that, they? They, so it was, uh, they were four, six and eight at the beginning of the pandemic. And like at first we, we went to like rural North Carolina and then we went to like, um, Sierra, like Sarasota, West coast, Florida and, and Savannah and South and Charleston. But at some point, like that lack of rootedness for the kids, it just made them bananas. So it, like I, because I we buy a lot of real estate in the Sun Belt, like so we have like twenty thousand apartment units and houses and stuff. So I was like, well, I want to spend more time in the Sun Belt, understand like which places are 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 like have the better places to live, and um, but I couldn't figure out. I still want to do. It. I can't figure out how to have the kids feel like a, a sense of community, like, you know, having their neighbors to play with, and and like the kids love routine. So you think this is the single person's lifestyle, though? <laughs> Maybe oh, the I population without kids are going to be kind of home hopping? Sam lives my, my dream life. Like I would definitely be living in a different city every month. I'd probably also just go like South America because you mean same time zone. Like I, I feel like work from home is going to bring global workforce like prices to white collar workers at some point. Because if you know, once you're remote, like why don't I have people everywhere? What like what difference right. does it make? And and do you find that people are buying these second homes or renting? Like they're using short term rentals to spend a month or two in different places. Yeah, I mean, I think Airbnb has been like a revolution for real estate, right? Because it's it's unlocked the asset value in a whole new way. And so, yeah, I think it's I think it's short term rentals is the is the mega trend. And is it is it productive to do that though? I mean, it's from someone that is preaching investing in real estate, like I haven't rented for, you know, so, I mean, 10 or 20 years because, you know, I was always told you're just throwing your money down the drain when you're renting. Why not actually use that money on a mortgage and, you know, get the value out of the property? So is that a productive way to spend your money? I can give you guys real numbers if you want. For yeah. I'll, yeah. I'm I'll with be, you, I can be do it. I'll be very I'll be very transparent and tell you all the numbers. So, first of all, I have a very strong take on that Brit and I think renting is way better than owning uh for a bunch of reasons. We'll talk about that in a second. So, my home in Austin, Texas, I paid $960,000 for it. I think maybe it's worth 1.5 cuz I bought it like literally at the beginning of the pandemic, so I got very lucky. I got a 2.9 or 3% mortgage. Um I rented out to whenever I leave, I rent it out to someone I typically like someone I know, or I meet them somehow like I, I meet them in advance. So I get to know them. And I rent it out for about four or five months at a time. Um, and I earn about $7,500 in gross rent per month. And my mortgage is around $5,000. 
So typically I'm profiting around $2,500 to $3,000 a month. When I'm in Brooklyn, where I stay, I find a place on Street Easy and I just look up like the neighborhoods that I like on Street Easy and I type in like furnished and I find a furnished place. Last year, I rented a place for $7,000. This year, I rented a place for $9,500 and it was completely furnished and it was 2,100 square feet in Prospect Heights in Brooklyn, which is like a decent, nice neighborhood that I like. And so that place is actually for sale right now for $3.1 million. And if you run the math of a sale price of 3.1 and income of only $8,000 a month, I don't think it makes sense for me to own a place in Brooklyn. Additionally, in New York, the laws on short-term rental are really strict. The laws in Texas are not. And so the reason why I did what I did is because it, it just makes more sense to do it in Texas. And I'm more than happy to rent a place. So basically, the numbers come out to be if I earn around $7,500 to $8,000 and I spend around $5,000, that means I'm profiting $3,000. And the, whether it's right or wrong, the way that we look at it is like, all right, sick, three grand in profit, throw that to the 10000 So now I'm paying seven grand for a four-month, 2,000-square-foot place in New York. I think that's a good deal. Can you rent out? Things for four months? Is that because I thought there was also a limit on short term rentals being 30 days or less? Or is this, uh, is this kind of. It, it, when I'm in Brooklyn, it's not considered a short term okay, rental. That's not a long term like rental. Yeah, like I'm signing like a. Like I, I do. It's usually word of mouth, but like I'm renting it from the owner and like uh, it's considered a long term. Like it's a lease. I'm signing a lease. So okay. I give a, a, de- really I give like a four deposit. Months, though. Yeah. And then yeah. you're out of it. That's interesting. I think there's also this. I say that because I think there's a trend of like, I feel like the two binary options right now in renting are the 30 day, up to 30 day, one month rental on any of these short term rental platforms or the like, I want you in here for a year longer. And I use Facebook. The 12 months thing is crazy. Oh, interesting. So are you sub? So you're renting from people. Yeah, I use Facebook groups. That's the best resource. So there's a Facebook group called nomad list i think it's called and you pay the lady who runs it 20 bucks for access and <laughs> it's like this like curated network of people renting out their homes for like 1 to 12 months more than yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting ooh i like your i like and you run a facebook group too we can have a whole different discussion about your facebook group strategies <laughs> Ben, does this jive with you? Is this, does this make sense? Would you, you know, do you think this is what a lot of people should be doing, are doing? Uh, are you seeing this trend in real estate? Well, so on a personal level, we I sold our house. We sold our house at the beginning of the pandemic, and now I live in a house we rent, and it's so much better. Like, things break. Yes. It's so much better. It's, it's like, I used to spend a fortune maintaining the house, like fixing the HVAC or whatever it was, and now it's just someone else's problem. And we own a lot of rental property, right? We own tons of housing. And if you look at what's happened with high mortgage rates, like mortgages have gone to 7%. I bet you they hit 8% next year. Like it, you can't buy. It just doesn't make any sense. Renting is now way more affordable. So I, yeah. Do I, you think that's what, yeah. Is that going to, is that going to freeze the market? These rates? I think for sale market is, is, yeah, the for sale market is going to, going to freeze. And, and that generationally, like, I think a Gen Z or, or millennials thinks about owning versus renting totally differently than a, bo- a baby boomer. You know, that the boomer is like, you know, I'm going to stay in a job for 30 years. I'm going to own a house. I'm going to live there for you know most of my life. And I just don't think that's what you know, the next generations want to do. What what are they doing? Because the latest I heard about Gen Z is they're living at home still. <laughs> they can't afford to rent or buy. Is this Is this still the case? I I don't know that. That's not my. That's not my like uh, data. That's not your forte. No, not my, you're like you can't. Estate. Well, they're not on Fundrise apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't assume that your clientele on Fundrise are Gen Z. What is the average age of a Fundrise investor? An average demographic, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming probably more more men than women are investing. Yeah, 35, 35 years old. So it's like a, it's a little older than like a Robinhood or something. And then uh, it's actually not as. Gender skewed, you might imagine. I think it's sixty percent men, forty percent women. Mm-hmm. So we we've seen like um over the last couple of years a, a big shift. I don't know why, but we it started out seven years ago, way more eighty five percent men. It's really become diverse. But I you know we had I don't I think mostly by by creating low barriers entry, basically creating like a um a sense of confidence in it. 
I think that the biggest challenge is having a sense of self-confidence in investing in new things. And so we've done a lot in the way the software works, where the platform works, so that people can basically start small and take low-risk decisions and then build confidence over time. And I think that's really helped us sort of appeal to more people. Do you find a gender split in that? Like maybe that's why you were onboarding more women because they could put in a hundred bucks first and then a thousand and then kind of ratchet it up a bit. Yeah. And also I think we've, we've started working with a lot of influencers. And so you, you need to go where people are, you know, mm-hmm. like if you start out in finance, like finance content, super male heavy, heavy. But if you go on to like so more social media platforms, it's, it's more way more diverse and, and, um, and so if you can find women as your spokesperson, like our CFO is a woman and she used to, she used to be chief accountant at SEC. So she's kind of a, a badass. And so um, it really just takes the right kind of effort. This episode is brought to you by Element. I'm obsessed with all things health and wellness. I love learning about the latest trends, trying different hacks, and figuring out what works best for my body. And if there's one thing I know for certain, it's that hydration is essential to better health. Unfortunately, most of us don't realize that there's a more effective way to hydrate. Element is a tasty, science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means just the right amount of salt without all the sugar, food coloring, artificial ingredients, and other unnecessary fillers. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase, That's eight single-serving packets, free, with any Element order. That's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash Brit. Try it risk-free and experience the endless benefits of better hydration. So what you've done is eliminated this this problem that we used to have, which is like, how do you even invest in real estate? You're saying like, I can't drive through New York City and just look at a building and say, I want to invest in that. But um, for everyone out there who's listening, like, can you tell them about any other newer technologies that are eliminating some of the friction in and around real estate? And that could be renting, buying, um, constructing, <laughs> uh, that, that you might have seen or that you might be using or that you also know might be coming uh, in the near future. Sam, do you want to kick that one off? Yeah, uh, there's a bunch in the space that I like. Um, have you guys ever heard of Hello Landing? No. It's awesome. So there's a bunch of people in the space. So there's Hello Landing, there's Blue Ground, I think it's called. Um, but basically, it's um, if you go to hellolanding.com, the person who started it, he previously started a company called Shipped that he sold for like $500 million, very successful entrepreneur. And basically what they do is, I don't know if they purchase them or if they sublease them. They might purchase them. But basically, it's apartments that are branded in Hello Landing. And so you know that like every single apartment that they rent is going to have the, mostly the same stuff. And you could you spend a monthly fee in order to get access to them, like a cheap, like hundred or two hundred dollars a year, and like you've you're vetted a little bit, and then you get access to all these really cool apartments that you could stay at for a month at a time. Um, and that's called Hello Landing. There's one called uh, Blue Ground. There's a few more, and I love them. One of the reasons I don't like them is because they're mostly in like really sterile. Uh, like buildings, which is perfectly fine sometimes, but like you're, they're, they're not like they're they're not like uh, they're just like the new style apartment buildings that are just like that are all like cookie cutters. But 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 for practicality reasons, they're quite nice. The only problem is I have an eighty pound dog, so like uh, I usually like to rent a house. Uh, but anyway, for th- so I like that business. There's another one called Wander, W A N D E R. Wander's really cool, and they're buying homes that you can spend. Um, they're relatively expensive, but they're for like companies. So a company could be like, hey, everyone, we have a subscription to Wander. If you and five of your coworkers want to meet up, we have a place that you could all stay and work together. And so they're like uh, work from home enabled Airbnbs is kind of like one way to put it. I invested in them. Uh, it's called Wander. What else is in the space that's interesting? Um, 
Aren't a bunch of people doing new things with prefab and ADUs uh, that are? Oh, I love those. Mm-hmm. So there's mod pools. Have you heard? Of, have you heard of mod pools? Have you guys heard no. of mod pools? No. I'm just so what they all do of is, this as you type. Yeah, it. seriously. So there's mod pools, and then there's Trek pools, and those are two companies in the space, and they take shipping containers and they turn them into pools for forty oh. grand. It's awesome. And in my opinion, those aren't exactly those aren't pools that you want to own and be your main pool. But if you're going somewhere like in Texas or Montana and you want to take a bunch of pictures, they can make part of the pool have fiber um, like plexiglass in there so you can see underneath it. So it's really fun for like Instagram pictures, and they look sick. They look beautiful. They're like it's 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 like a it's one of those things that it's really fun to use for like two weeks or something like that. But it's not maybe the the what you'd want all the time. You, are you looking at them now, Britt? I can see yeah. your face. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've been wanting a pool so badly. My husband and I are debating. They're so expensive, though. <laughs> so, and then your maintenance. And we live in Northern California, where it's not like super hot all the time. But, but I, I grew up in Texas, where I was swimming every day. So I have this thing about pools. But there's also um, Swimply. Speaking of pools, which is I Airbnb like for pools. So they're like, killing it. I, I heard. They're. I mean. I, the other day, I paid two hundred dollars for to have a pool for a day, which is so dumb. Um, but like, <laughs> when you have little kids who uh, want to swim and need to learn how to swim, it's. I was like baking in the cost of like what a lesson would be. I had this all rationalization. So Swimply, you like find pools in your area that people are renting out, and I just like went through this lady's backyard fence and I enjoyed her pool for like a few hours, and she got two hundred bucks. And so maybe I'll get a mod pool. And then I will put it on Swimply <laughs> and I will get some cash flow out of my new pool. Does this sound like a good idea? It could. Was your places, <laughs> it definitely could work. I like um, Den Outdoors. Den Outdoors is a cool company that makes plan for, is that what you use? Yes. That's how we built our A-frames in Montana. What did you pay per square foot to build? I think, well, okay. I think it was like 30K for the kit, which is like a one room A-frame basically. But- the 30K, to your point about how that paid off, like now we're renting these for like 200 bucks a night. So I'm making like, you know, let's say um, three grand a month maybe. And so that pays off, you know, in 10 months. Um, That's crazy. Which is, which is if you're not used to investing, a 10 back pay, payback yeah. cycle for real estate <laughs> is, is 100% ludicrous and unheard of. Totally. And of course, there's the labor to build it and the, like the amenities and blah, 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 blah. But like, you, let's just say a year to pay back this thing, right? And so, how many square feet did you get? Which one? I've looked oh, at about I don't like three or four. Though it's probably like a, it's like not big. It is like twenty by twenty or something like that. Like 300, 400 square feet, maybe three hundred. And probably. did you use like nice appliances? And then did you have to like so get electricity? We put and in stuff? like really cute little lights that I got from um, the schoolhouse. Like it, it's like really cute little vintagey modern lights. I put in a little mini fridge so it doesn't it doesn't have like running water. And then we built actually Den Outdoors has plans for a bathhouse that you can uh-huh. build. So we put a bunch of these A-frames in and then a central kind of bathhouse so people can just go to the bathroom there. There's an outdoor shower experience. And so, you know, we Damn. didn't have to build in water into all of the A-frames. That's you know, crazy. you know what I love about that is that that's how houses used to be built. Like people would order houses from Sears catalogs like like if you go look at those really cool houses in yeah LA, like prefab all, houses they're all like Sears catalog houses well and aren't there hotel isn't there a hotel uh company or there's like a prefab company that's literally like prefabbing hotel rooms including the furniture and then they build the structure I think this, there's one in Austin actually I'm blanking on the name um so the, they build the structure of the hotel like which is like little cubicles that are empty and they kind of bring in cranes and just like slot in the hotel rooms and they're That's all cool. like made they're like painted the beds are in the like the duvets are in and and so how do we actually impact the speed of construction and building using prefab and robots and sort of manufacturing in these new ways because here in California i mean to build a 3 to 4000 square foot home is going to take you to plus years probably at this point with the supply chain being what it is and like who has i don't know i don't want to wait two years here's a here's an even more extreme but somewhat interesting idea have you guys seen jupe j-u-p-e yes yes so jupe is interesting to me so basically i think they've raised 10 million dollars from like some really top tier investors so it's not like a joke but it, it seems like a joke a little at first you're like who would want to do this so basically it's like 
imagine a building the size of a king size bed. It's basically like this thing that shows up and it like pops up almost like a pop-up trailer. And I think there's only like enough room. It's like, imagine the room is the size of a king size bed, but there's like a full size bed in there. So there's enough room to like lay on that bed and barely walk around. And what you can do is purchase a piece of land or a piece of land that you already have and put a jupe there. And it's kind of like their version of glamping. And I think that it's all, and it has solar power, solar powered electricity which means i think just lights but like i own this big piece of land and like other people if you own land instead of like properly building places you could just charge less money to stay there but maybe 50 or 100 dollars, and then you call it camping and i think that's like a really interesting way to and you can put it on hip camp and it's a really interesting way to make additional money and unlock new asset classes like we were talking about like well instead of like just buying this piece of land as a piece of land we're actually going to look at how much revenue we can earn from having 10 jupes on there totally and that's kind of where we're going with our montana site too we're testing um, we have the lodge, which is like this beautiful log home. We've got a cabin that's like a nicely constructed, you know, we did like Sugibon black on the outside cabin with the bathroom inside. And we have these A-frames, which are prefab that were basically we like dropped in. And in the summer, we have glamping tents. And it's hilarious because we looked at the on the short-term rental sites of like a glamping tent somewhere in remote Montana can go for 150 a night, 100 a night, which um, <laughs> the cost you can go on Amazon and buy these glamping tents for like five grand or six grand. It's crazy. So speaking of returns, like the <laughs> glamping tents are by far my best return on the property, and and you put like a cute little outhouse or bathhouse, like I'm saying, and like you kind of got it all, right? So um, I I do wonder about land purchasing and if land is kind of the next big frontier because there are there are all these ways to do prefabs and tents and like cool experiences um, that don't require construction or zoning. Um, so Ben, are people buying land on Fundrise? Do you, do you see any future in this? We buy land, that's for sure. We have land. how much acres do you guys own, or how many? How about how about I mean, it's been like 10,000 lots, something like that. Oh. We, so a, like a decent- residential? Residential are lots, Are you buying yeah. like 100 acres in the middle of the country of Idaho? Like where, how are you buying land? I mean, normally we're buying like near Austin or Nashville. And, okay, so and, near cities. Yeah, near cities. Because it's all about work from home. It's all about how, how I mean, it's, it's a revolution. There's basically a revolution happening in the way like real estate works. Because if you think back- the last time this really happened was like the invention of the car, right? Before the car, there was no suburbs. And and suburbs basically became this huge part of real estate and all real estate growth from like 1950 and 1999 was basically about suburbs. And then like cities sort of, there's, there's a, the transportation infrastructure didn't keep up with demand. And so they ended up, it just got too difficult to commute and people ended up moving back into cities but now with work from home, and I think 5G, right? 5G hasn't been rolled out, but it gets rolled out in the next few years. And you have internet. Or Starlink. And, yeah, or Starlink. Starlink. Internet anywhere. Yeah. You know, if you have internet anywhere and you can work from home, like it just completely transforms the way we think about society, right? Like the entire society used to be you left the farm in the 1920s, you went to cities, and you worked in the city in a factory or an office building. Like, isn't that obsolete now? Aren't office buildings like department stores? Like they're just, they ain't gonna, they're no, nobody's going to build them anymore? Totally. I think so. I mean, Star, Starlink is what we use on our property in Montana because it didn't have literally any service. <laughs> and the Wi-Fi was, took like 27 hours to, to watch a show. The Starlink's show. still only okay. It's still only okay. It's getting so much better. Every month they're doing updates. They're like launching new satellites. And by the way, I just like whatever Elon Musk does, I just feel like I'm going to support because <laughs> he's figured it enough out so far. Yeah, I'm but, on board with that. But it's but to, uh, Starlink, I think, is A, only okay, B, still really expensive. And C, it's not even available in most places. I'm trying to get it at my place in, in rural Texas. I've been on a wait list for like 18 months. Mm. Well, it is rolling out faster and faster. I can tell. I mean, we were one of the first in California to get it. And then Montana um, now has enough connectivity. So I'm hopeful that in the next year or two. But to, to Ben's point, like, I mean, we also, again, we have the Sprinter van. So we, we put a Starlink on it. And now literally we can go any, I can 
go to the beach for the day and go surfing. I don't surf, but oh. I sort of – I'm a beginner surfer. Um, <laughs> like everyone that's listening yeah, to think too. I'm cool. And then yeah. whip out my laptop for, you know, a 9 a.m. Zoom call and work from the beach. Um, and if I owned that beach or if I was renting at that beach, you know, like so it really opens your mind as to what's possible, I think. Um, and then there's the technology of like how do you sell your home or how do you, you know, get your home rented? And so – what is it? Open Door is one of the leaders in the category. What else is out there? I invested in a company called Doorsey. So the word door and then S-E-Y. And what they're doing is um, they're making it so it's like a live auctions for houses. So and that, that's kind of interesting. Open Door, I think, is killing it. I think a Zillow or Redfin in the near future will allow li- like live auctions for their home. Then people are going to buy homes online, which sounds crazy, but I don't think it's going to be nearly crazy. I don't think that's going to be crazy at all in five or 10 years. Uh, what else is interesting? Well, and then uh, Matterport, uh, which my, my a friend of mine from Google started and runs, uh, gives you these like 3D tours through homes. So to your point, like, Maybe it's through our new VR goggles we'll all be wearing in the next five years. But like we can actually go and tour homes all around the world or the country and feel like we can inspect every part of it, but not have to go there and then pull the trigger and buy, right? Um, but to to be able to buy, I mean, if anyone's ever bought a home, it's such a complicated process, right? Um, so the simpler we can make it to buy and sell – um, the better, right? And I know that like even when I'm sometimes when I've been like instructed to look for homes to buy, like the best homes are off market. Um, and you know, you have to get the real estate broker that's gonna like that knows what's off market, knows how to like the people that might sell if the price was right. And so like I'm excited about is there gonna be technology for like my like fuck it, I would sell for this price <laughs> like like deal, but otherwise I'm not selling my home. You know, like I bought my home here in California 10 years ago for a really great rate. It's already two to three X. Um, but if someone gave me a five X uh, bid, would I? Yeah, would we'll I just do? call it like, Maybe. we'll call it like fine or like, okay, I'll leave dot com. Like, okay, <laughs> exactly. fine. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll leave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ben, are you guys, who does your, when you're buying all this property, who does the inspections? Yeah, actually, that's the technology company we, we love called Inspectify. Yeah, I almost invested in them, and I passed, and I regret it. Yeah, we we like need to invest in their next round, like because we basically integrated with them. Because we have, you know, we buy like hundred homes a week, or some, and so actually just inspecting them and getting like everything coordinated. It seems so trivial, but it's such a pain. You have like hundred homes, which means you have eight warranties per home because you have a microwave and the you know, dishwasher and refrigerators. You have eight hundred warranties every every week, right? So it's just this. This is enormous logistical problem that they did a pretty good job managing. What about notary? What do you use for notary? Anything? Notarize. Yeah. You, That's you, what I like. I like notarize yeah, too. I, I saw that guy last week and the CEO speak at a, an event and I was like, oh, this guy is really going to nail it. He was really impressive. I think hmm. notary is amazing. Notary is a really cool service. It's pretty, I think it's what some things that I think about right now are, isn't it ludicrous how much faith we put in someone's signature it's like it's so a, a notary like i remember i bought a house recently and the notary came to my house yes and we sat down for an hour and i was like this is weird already like and it, whatever but you know i'll do this and i signed something last time and he goes wait let me see your id and i showed him my id he goes oh the j in your middle name is off here in the middle name i'm like what oh this is ridiculous oh, he's making this is up. crazy he's making it up so I'm like a Web3 champion. I I think people that listen to this podcast know that because we did an episode early on. Uh, And I strongly believe that the blockchain will actually change the way we buy and sell homes in the future. And all of the stuff that we own will be in our personal identity tied to this like public ledger um, that we all believe in is like our identity and it's not owned by anyone centrally. Um, so hopefully notaries go away. Hopefully I can do a one click transaction when I want to sell my land or my home to somebody else. I know that this is all like fantasy, but I, I strongly believe that crypto and blockchain are, is one of the best use cases for real estate. And also 
there's this advent of a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. And so the idea that like maybe we can buy in on property or real estate together because uh, I can't do it by myself. And if I ever want to get out and sell my piece, my 1% of the 100%, I can sell that literally anytime I want to. It's liquid at all times. Um, do you both, <laughs> either one can jump in. Do you I see the future that I see here or do you think I'm smoking something? Well, it's pretty close to a fun Bo Both can be true, though, right? Both, <laughs> right. both can be true. <laughs> Usually it's it is fair. both, right? Some way. But if it's sort of what Fundrise does is pretty close. And so, you know, we, right? Because basically everybody owns this real estate like together. There's a lot of people. So it's like been for, been like digitized. Um, you know, we have like a SEC transfer agent. So it has the record. It's it's same with stocks. The same kind of company holds your records, holds like our records. Uh, the cost of transaction is much lower than blockchain. Like the the actual compute to create like actual like um, record in blockchain is really expensive. And so it's, got, it's just gotten cheaper a little bit with yeah the, with the merger the Ethereum merge. Yeah, yeah, but it's basically zero today with a database like in our so. Like, I, cause I'm, you know, we're so close to, I've been trying to figure out like, well, how can we use blockchain? But I can't figure out how it's better than like a database with an SEC registered transfer agent. Like, like, cause the title, the title work is all done by states. It's like a state, like in, in, in Massachusetts, like literally they actually have to go into warehouses from like 1776 and like pull the written records it's so old-fashioned that like so old school but it costs like a thousand bucks so like is it really like is it a big problem like you transact a house like once a decade for a thousand dollars like it doesn't seem like huge use case Britt, have you seen um i bet you know this guy uh i think his name is spencer the guy who started zillow his he has an, mm -hmm. uh, a new company is it called picasso or picasso yeah picasso but it's, mm -hmm. the, it's the fastest growing company of all time who knows if it'll <laughs> actually work but that's how they market it, it went from like one billion dollar valuation in like i don't know months but picasso is yeah short term or is it's buying a home together um, and you can get it's timeshares. Really. You know what? Like, I know. Just, Listen, yeah, this yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. I was just talking about this. So, like Tesla says that their leather in their cars, it's like it's vegan friendly. And I'm like, oh, that's the greatest rebranding uh, of like cheap leather. That's like it's pleather. like it's like pleather. It's, yeah. yeah, I was like, it's called it. It's like the rebranding of uh, mayonnaise to aioli. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Picasso's up on that list now too they've just rebranded timeshare as like a tech company it did, product they put a little tech into the software where you can book your dates on your phone that's it really well but i go to the website and i'm like oh like timeshare has this like bad connotation because like the way in which they sell it is kind of like uh shady or it can be and uh and so i was always like oh timeshares are icky i don't want to touch that but then i like went to picasso and i'm like Oh, this is sick! I totally want to do this, and I'm like, oh wait, this is a timeshare, which is which is fine, but like, it's just like it's like, oh, this aioli is just mayonnaise with garlic in it. Okay, but that's uh, yummy, right? Right? Who doesn't yes, like aioli? Yes, and I'm on board with it. But for some, and I'm I'm saying I like the packaging has worked on me, but I dig it when I when I look into this, I'm like, this is sick. This is cool. I'm actually into this, and so oh, they so totally rebranded it. Okay, so you're pro Picasso. Well, I don't. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know if I want to spend that much money to like do it, but like I do like the idea of, and I think I I guess what I'm pro is I understand the problem that they're solving, and I'll, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to spend money to have that solved in that particular t yeah. that particular way. Yeah, I mean, a good friend of mine I was just talking to him last Friday. He was like, "Yeah, I'm up in Napa right now at my house," and he he pans around, and it's this like six bedroom crazy estate with a vineyard and a pool and I'm like whoa when did you buy that house he's like well I spent like 500k to buy a fraction of the house and I can spend a week here every month and I'm like oh that's interesting you know so I do think it works for some people and and maybe not for others um but regardless these are okay we probably listed over a dozen new types of tools that are out there there's so much opportunity we're seeing interest rates rise yes but um, a lot of other opportunities and different categories coming at us. So if I'm a total newbie, just to like bring this to a head, where do I start? If I'm like, I've never invested in real estate. I see the promise of the future, either of short-term rentals or investing in property. What would each of you advise me to do today? 
Sam, because I'm like... Use Funrise. <laughs> I mean, I know <laughs> that this is not just to... like a tee-up for you, Ben, but... I'm trying well, to... Well, you can If you can't just use, just use Funrise, if you can't just use Funrise, what you else would you You can use Funrise. Do? I'll say that. I have nothing to do with Funrise. You guys used to advertise with me, but, uh, I, you know, I don't own the company that you advertise on. So I, you you owe me nothing. I owe you nothing. And I would still use Funrise. Um, I think Funrise is cool. I think that... Um, I honestly, I think buying places and Airbnb them is awesome. That totally unlocks a lot of value. Would you and start also, with one? Would you just be like, yeah, okay, what one, is figure out one. what your minimum purchase price can I be? Would use, and then where do you look? Where do you would you I, buy it? Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Near you or like in Ohio because Cleveland's on a rise. So <laughs> like, I don't know. If, if I had to generalize and generalize meaning it works in a bunch of scenarios and it doesn't work in a, a bunch of other scenarios. So I'm generalizing here. I would go to AirDNA and I would Google AirDNA best places to buy. AirDNA is software that analyzes lots of different uh, markets. I would find an interesting market. Typically, the markets have to be good on regulation. So in places like California, it sucks. In places in New York, it sucks. So you'd have to find out a state that works. Then I would use Zillow to find different properties based on the markets that AirDNA said are somewhat interesting. And I would find... I would, you'd probably have to look at 100 different properties and you'll probably probably find 10 that where the numbers make sense and one or two that you can make an offer and buy. You get approved uh, for a, a mortgage or some type of like loan, which is like pretty straightforward. And then you can buy a property for two or $300,000. And that's still a big leap for people. So you're gonna have to come up with 60 grand on your own. But that's like an interesting thing for a lot of people. And then also just invest in REITs and Fundrise. Those, th- there- everything I just said is like the easiest... The easiest but, place to start. But but generalized, not specific advice. And you think short-term rental over like flipping a home in one of those markets and just reselling it really quickly? I think much, both. But it's so much work yeah. flipping a home. That's it. Yeah. So you said easy. <laughs> I did. I know. I'm all about easy. I want you to guys, I want you to spill the gospel to to all of our listeners. And I, I agree with you. And I think there's also um are there calculators or like P&L models that people can use online to figure out how much they should charge or they can make on their short-term rental if they're going to go that route. Sam, do you use anything like that? I use Bigger Pockets. They have a subscription for $300 a year that I love and they have modeling that I like. And then I um, AirDNA has a calculator that I like. Most people who like are not even sophisticated, but just one level above like rookie tend to build their own models on Excel. So if you just Google like short-term rental Excel model, you can just find anything that's out there. And then as you get like two or three months into analyzing properties, you're going to, you can edit it to how you like it. And I think that's the best way. Yeah, Sam right. nailed it. Sam nailed it. He's, he's, he stole my one. Bigger Pockets is actually probably the best educational resource for the people who want to actually like get their hands on the physical and tan- you know tangible real estate and so they have all sorts of content and 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 groups to work together and i, I find it to be really like um a good community so you can ask questions because a lot of times it's actually just having somebody you can ask questions to like because every problem you're running into other people run into before but you just you just haven't because it's your first time so finding finding that um Finding that person or people is, I think, or community, community people who are doing this together. That's, I think, that's a great way to do it. I think that's huge. And again, speaking, uh, generalizing from a female perspective or the perspective of maybe people who might not be comfortable with all of this, like that community is going to make you feel like you know what you're doing when you're totally stuck and lost and when you're not really ready to take that big risk to the next level. So, okay. So just to sum up, so, you know, we're going to go to AirDNA, we're going to find our place that we're going to go buy something for as much as we can spend on it, but we're going to model that (laughs) with bigger (laughs) pockets and um, freshen it up a little bit, leave a bottle of wine and a nice note when we have our first guest get to Airbnb or VRBO Superhost. And then maybe like we pull in some of the profit back into investing on Fundrise to invest <laughs> in the real estate uh, that hopefully will produce returns way into the future. Did I get all that correct? Pretty good. Okay. All right. And until then, we have like a billion other things to check out, including Jupe and Open Door and Mod Pools. We're going to put our pool into our new unit. So all of the things. I, I love it so much. Thank you both for your wisdom and for being here. This was hopefully really fun for you. It was for me. I learned a lot of things. I have like 18 browser windows <laughs> open that I'm going to go research more. Sam is a this. dynamo, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> 
Sam, can where do we go to find your short-term rentals that we can stay in or your Facebook groups or whatever? Oh, um, on Facebook, if you type in Sam's STR crew, you'll see it. Okay. It, uh, yeah, you'll see it. And then I'll just like automatically approve everyone. But yeah, that um, that's cool. And then if you use Twitter, just type in like short-term rentals on Twitter. And there's this whole community of amazing people like sharing uh, t- short-term rental stuff. I like um, uh, my one of my good buddies is Rohin. Do you know uh, Rohan yeah, Dwar? Uh-huh, he, he owns, uh-huh. So he owns about 10 or 20 short-term rentals and they're all Amazing. like $300,000 a piece. So it's a little bit more accessible. So follow him on Twitter. And then if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see he retweets tons of people and like it's a really fun way to learn. Go down the rabbit hole. Love it. Where can we find each of you if we want to stay connected and follow what you're up to? So my Twitter handle is Ben Miller Rise, like fun rise, Ben Miller Rise. And I feel like I'm like always on there trying to like, because I just going back and forth in the Q and A with people. So I, I really love that part of Twitter. Actually, is the is the like not so much the like these like epithets you put out thinking you're like genius, but actually talk, like talking to real people. Yeah, like you're being social on social media and having conversations. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to <laughs> using it as your blogging platform yeah, or ranting, for the world. Ranting yes, everybody. exactly. <laughs> Love it. So so everyone out there, yeah, Ben will talk to you if you if you tweet at him, is what he's saying. <laughs> Definitely. Sam? Uh the Sam Parr, Twitter, Instagram. I just Twitter was my thing. I just started Instagram a, a few weeks back and, and we're doing Welcome. nice. You're yes, only like I, uh, 12 years behind. <laughs> yeah. hey, now everyone's on TikTok, Sam. You need to go get that handle. Listen, I started four or five weeks ago and I hired this kid to help me work. We're at 40,000 followers on Instagram. So oh, oh, there you wow. go. Well, I'm doing good. I just looked you up. It looks like you're at like 63,000. So, Britt, watch out. I'm coming okay. for you. And then on TikTok, yeah. the Sam Parr. Hey, we're, we just started. We're at 14,000. Oh, good. So, you're on TikTok. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Yes, well, that, we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's where all the cool kids are. So <laughs> I love it. All right. The Sampire, Ben Millerize. Thank you both so much for being here. I, this was such a fun conversation, and I hope everyone out there learned something new. We'll see you next time. You know, the history of America was all about scouring for land and protecting your land. And if you were a landowner, you were among the wealthiest in America. And I still think to this day... There's a stigma around that if you own a house or you own land, you must be wealthy. And it's this aspiration that a lot of people have of like making it in life. But the reality is the industry has shifted and you don't necessarily have to be super wealthy to make money off of land or make money off of real estate. There are so many ways to get creative now and make a living or make a side hustle with all of these new technologies and innovations in the space. And that's what I think it means to be first in line in this category. We've all probably stayed in an Airbnb or a VRBO as a consumer, but how often have we thought about actually renting out our own place or getting a pool and renting the pool out or getting a glamping tent and renting that out and creating a cool experience? Trust me when I say you can truly make thousands of dollars per month if you get good at this. Some people are making six or seven figures a year simply renting out their space. And so it begs the question to me, if this is becoming more and more mainstream and there's more and more of these technologies that'll inspect the home for you and notarize it and there's property management companies that'll do the laundry after your guests leave for you and you actually can turn a profit, wouldn't you be interested in doing it? or at least trying it or experimenting with it? I know I did. Now, I know a lot of you might be thinking, uh, Britt, the interest rates are climbing. (laughs) It's kind of the worst time ever to buy real estate right now and probably will be for the next year. And I think you are right. I am certainly not keen on purchasing any major pieces of real estate. However, that's why it's a great time to make do with what you have. How can you get creative with space you might already have, um, with other, with improving your property. You know, there's so many different ways that you can start small so that when those rates do improve and the real estate market opens up again, you are in a prime position to take advantage of it. So my lessons to you are, A, if you want to make money, consider buying and renting out a place. You could also buy a great place, improve it, and then try to flip it. Or you can 
go to a site like Fundrise and simply invest in real estate. There are a lot of different avenues you can take. If you simply want to make your home better and more valuable, that's an option too. I would consider adding things like prefab ADUs or a prefab pool to improve your property. You can even rent those out. You can rent out your whole home if you're away for a week and make some money there too. There are a lot of ways to make money and to improve your life and have fun in this new category of real estate. Why believe me? Well, I'm a VC. (laughs) I make a lot of risky investments. And trust me, real estate has proven to be a far safer investment than the ones I tend to make with early stage startups. So I'd encourage you to dig into some of the ideas in this episode, check out some of the sites, and consider whether it's worth some experimentation for you too. Drop me a line if you do. I'm here to help you, cheer you on, or come stay at your place. (laughs) I'm at Brit on Twitter or Instagram, and you can also find us at First in Line. If you liked this episode, I would love for you to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your shows. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Brit on just about every social network, or you can follow the podcast at First in Line. 